This is like newer Metallica, I think. I'm in like rage mode too. Like I really, I'm in a Metallica mood. I'm in a Metallica, have some drinks and break shit mood. I'm in the same mood. But today's April 17th. Welcome to the Dr. Medic Podcast. Zach is back. Zach is back. And um, how, how was your week, dude? It's a, it's a house of cards, man. Yeah. I went to MotoGP down in Austin. Looked great. Nobody listening knows what that is, so I'm not going to talk about it uh, because uh, everybody here is probably from the States, so you probably just think I uh, just went and played a video game or something. MotoGP, motorcycles, cool stuff. Anyway, uh, so there's been some stuff in the news, and uh, it's been going on for years I, I think, and I, and I think that um, it was just kind of standard EMS uh, uh, bitching and moaning maybe for a while, and now it's 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 kind of taken on a life of its own, and that's the subject of ketamine. Um, what is ketamine? What do we use that for? What are paramedics? The wonder it? drug the or wonder drug. not the wonder drug? Well, can it get you high? It certainly can, but I feel like there's so, there's so polar uh teams on ketamine for everything and other people ketamine for nothing and why don't we have ketamine for some things team which is the team that i'm on ketamine for 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 something ketamine for something so i don't i didn't have a lot of experience with ketamine and so when i was in florida we never had it Mm. um actually uh when when i was flying um we did have it but we only used it for induction Mm. Um, as kind of like a backup to automate. Automate wasn't, you know, the drug of choice for that patient, uh, and that typically would just be somebody who's super hypotensive, right? We, we, because we, it's great for like the it doesn't have all these cardiosuppressive effects. Um, you know, it, it's it's really good for kind of the critically shock patient for right. induction. And I think historically that was its sole use was induction for anesthesia. In right. preparation to take over their airway. Right. But in more recent years, it's used for analgesia and some of the other sub-disassociative doses can be used mm. for like light sedation in the setting of excited delirium. Right. 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 Or even even like reducing yeah. dislocations for sure. kids or, or even adults. Well, for, I mean, it works great for kids. Right. right. I and mean, that I, I first kind of came into the ketamine world working in the emergency department, even when I was in paramedic school. And really the only time I seen it was in the pediatric population and it was for conscious sedation. Mm. So they could suture or reduce a fracture or something like that. It was, you know, kind of quick on, quick off. But you were always taught to that kind of reactive period that they can hallucinate as they're coming out, create right. this quiet kind of calm and well i always knew of it just as a recreational drug back in florida it was just called k yeah and and, yeah, special and, k and then when, when i started flying we had it um like i said is that that backup induction agent and mm-hmm. it never did me wrong you know it no, always yeah. it, every time i gave it it worked pretty good and that was normally um we'll, I mean, we'll talk about dosing in a second but that was a pretty high dose um and then i think you know where you and i work on an ambulance i'd say it's probably been about three years now our medical director um, as 
as most medical directors probably should, um, has a big drive and a focus of, of trying to not play such a big role in the opiate, yeah, you know, epidemic of getting people hooked on um, opiates, uh, whether, whether they're abusing it or not. Uh, but a lot of times we know with opiates, it starts with the with a pers- with a provider, mm-hmm. right? A right. physician or a paramedic. Mm-hmm. Somebody's given oxy. Some somebody gives them morphine well, or, I think or something. What, he was one of the kind of frontline IV offermev pre-hospitally. Right. Right. I mean, back because it was an expensive right, that drug too. at the time. Yeah, it was and, a thousand. But that bucks. was kind of the first. Um, that was kind of the first. You know, setting of uh, preventing high dose opiates, long term usage of mm-hmm. opiates, and I think there was some right. good data out. And I think there still is good data out for data. Data. Like who's your data? TM. I think that's a regional thing. Visit the website, purchase a t shirt. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the 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 so 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 that's right. He um first had the IV Offermev, which was mm-hmm. certainly new, uh which is basically Tylenol, uh trying to uh um get pain relief without all the uh, respiratory depression, and then obviously the the, the possible addiction that, that that goes with it, and then tied onto that for the more severe pain was the ketamine. Yeah, right. And what I understood that you know was like uh, it was a, it was a lower dose. We would give it as a drip, maybe over ten minutes, something like that, ten twenty minutes, um, somewhere around you know twenty thirty milligrams to your average adult human. Mm-hmm male, you know, somewhere around 0.25 milligrams per kilogram or something like that. And it, and it worked great. And the, the, the few times I've given it or the few times I gave it back then, it, 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 it worked great. And so I didn't really think anything. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I know you've got some stories pulled up, but there was the story of the Elijah kid who, um, uh, got stopped by the police for an ski mask, you know, and then he, he gets, he gets stabbed with the ketamine, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But I remember following that case was when that anesthesia group put out a, you know, yeah. a position paper saying that ketamine has no uh, role whatsoever in the out of hospital environment. And, and it was written by a bunch of people who have nothing to do with, with EMS. These right. are all anesthesia, nurse anesthetists and, and anesthesiologists. And I thought that that was just going to be an isolated story. Well, now here we are like three or three, four years later since that Elijah case. And it just seems to keep happening. Well, I mean, again, I, yeah, and again, and I, again. I, I think that, you know, probably the incidence of administration across the United States right now. So two things. I think the incidence of administration across the United States right now is probably in the thousands per year on people giving ketamine primarily for sedation in the combative or uncontrollable patient who may or may not be excited delirium because that's mm-hmm. kind of the the trigger words on all this. And I think that, you know, 80% or so of the stories we're going to talk and about so, today. And so what do we used. use besides ketamine for that? What, 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 what is historically given? Intranasal Versed is one, Vers- but it's benzodiazepines. Okay. Right. Or so, Haldol. Well, pre-hospitally, how, how much, I mean, I've never given Haldol pre-hospitally. I've yeah. only given it either. We, in we had it in Florida. Florida. There's a lot of them around the so, country. But, but you can give, it's typically a benzodiazepine, right? Right. And some, it can be nasal, it can be muscular, or you can give some of these things IV if right. you have IV access. It's just historically has been very hard to get, if you're trying to fight a combative patient, getting mm-hmm. an IV is usually a little bit lower on the list. So can I hit them with something IM? which is very effective but takes a higher dose and a longer onset of action, or the kind of invention of the atomizer, which 
I kind of came into right. the EMS world for excited deliriums was intranasal versed with the anticipation that you are going to have to control their airway afterwards mm-hmm. or put the potential to control their airway. But what I, what I, I think the, the big point here is with ketamine and the opposition that anesthesiologists and anesthesia groups have against it is, is it in our scope of practice to give a medication by push for anesthesia, mm-hmm. right? Because the same with propofol. We are, it's well within our scope of practice to give propofol by infusion, but we can't give it as a push. If the, if the intention is for an anesthesia or induction, it's kind of outside the Well, there's the places that practice. could give it as a push. And, and, and it's usually not given mm-hmm. pre-hospitally just because of its terrible hemodynamic but the, properties. The but the push, if you're to give 0.2 or 0.3 milligrams per kilogram of ketamine mm-hmm. over 10 minutes with a fighting patient, are you pushing that over 10 minutes? Or should it have been a drip? Because if you or give I it, am. Or, or I am, right. Because you're not going to give that over 10 minutes. And if you give the large dose, which you're hoping is a sub disassociative dose over a push and you right. give it fast, that's where you start to run into some adverse reactions. So, and so we're let's talk about that. So let's back up. So, so w- Ket- you, you, you said the history of it is it's a, a anesthetic. It was on animals first and then it started using for conscious sedation and yeah. other anesthetic pr- procedures. Um, but then <clears throat> in the out-of-hospital environment, it came to us for for two basic reasons. Maybe right. maybe three, but originally two basic reasons. As an induction agent. Right. Um, basically, and basically what that means is putting somebody into a straight-up coma as part of a, an RSI or some type of drug-facilitated intubation or something like that. I mean, you're taking them from fully awake to in a full coma with a high dose. Yep. Of, of ketamine. And then you're going to paralyze them or do some other thing to intubate them, but that might be a first step. Um, and then, and, and so that's probably been around for the that's longest. That's probably, the, I would say that's the first. And then within the last three, four, five years, we started getting into pain control. So lower dosing. 10% of the dose mm-hmm. given over 10, 20 minutes. It's not, which is still technically a bolus. It's just a pushed over 10, 20 minutes. You can yep. drip it or push it slow, whatever you want sure. to do. Um, and it's given for pain. Um, in place of an opiate, right? Morphine, yeah. fentanyl, dilated, Demerol, something like that. And so, but then over the last three, four years, we now also have it given as just a last ditch sedative mm-hmm. effort in a combative patient to a, a sort of a, of, a, of a chemical restraint. Yeah, right. chemical restraint. That's a that's and so a and so. Uh, clarify just a couple other things. When we give it as an induction agent, mm-hmm. it's a pretty rapid bolus. Yeah, you can give them a one milligram. It's, it's an IV push over a few minutes. Right, and so, but it's going into a vein. You got to have an IV intravenous for pain control. You're going to give it in a vein too, but mm-hmm. but and we're still going to give it IV slower, lower ten percent the dose. Much slower. But over 10, 20 minutes, mm-hmm. right? And I think g- there's places that do it nasally too, but right. that's still a lot of volume. I don't know that I'm a huge supporter of the nasal route. But and so then if you're going to give it as a chemical restraint though, mm-hmm. how are they giving it? Because they give it differently in some of these stories. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it goes any of the routes. I, and it depends on the protocols. Is it intranasal? Is it intramuscular? Mm-hmm. Is it intravenous? 
And do the right. doses differ on those? Well, with the dose for Elijah, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, the documentation showed that their protocol was one milligram. Um, I'm sorry, five milligrams per kilogram. IM. I for an IM dose. Right. Very different and, than IV dose. Right. And the reason for that is what? Why why is the dose higher if you're giving it IM? A longer onset of action and um a longer duration of the medication. So, so it's gonna take longer for the mm-hmm. persons to absorb it and, right. and okay, gotcha. So what where did this go wrong? Where would you say? Well, I don't know that I want to because I know you got four, five, six stories that you pulled up. I think that the common factor here is that ketamine is not the evil drug. And I want to say that I'm not a huge ketamine supporter. I'm not a ketamine for everything. But the ketamine is not the problem in this. It's the failure of the medics to appropriately dose Mm -hmm. and to properly manage the side effects. Well, wh- why is this even in the news, though? That's what I want. But that, that, well, I mean, a lot of people the, that don't the, understand. The Elijah's in the news is because should he – is he – so I think that the, the big point is, is excited delirium a real thing? Right. Which it is, but well, it's well, it's dramatically yeah. overdiagnosed. Well, let's, pull, now, let's, let's pull up the first who, one. Anybody who's aggressive or combative at this point, people are taking the liberty to say this is excited delirium right. and I'm going to chemically restrain them. And that's not always the case. But so, let's pull up the first. One. So this first one, and, and and I don't know much about any of these except the mm-hmm. the Elijah story because that was the biggest story. But I this peripherally is, know this one's out of Arizona. Scroll, mm-hmm. Lennon, scroll scroll down just 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 a little bit. Um, scroll down just a little bit. So this is from um, uh, the stories just from last year, but apparently this this guy died. Uh, uh, six years ago. Lennon, go ahead and play it. It's just a couple minutes long. Let's see what they say. So this first okay. one... And the Rural Metro Fire Department being sued for gross negligence, for in, negligence rather, for injecting ketamine into a young man who died a short time later. The powerful sedative has been linked to several police in custody deaths across the country. ABC 15 investigator Melissa Blasius has been looking into the ketamine usage and deaths for more than a year and explains... Why okay, so, so this is, they call it a sedative, and, and which is, you know, and, um, but they, the story is police custody deaths. And I think that's one of the, yeah. the common, from the news standpoint, from the public standpoint, not from a paramedic standpoint. Yeah, right, right. Right. So this guy, probably excited delirium, right? He's four-wheeling his Jeep in the desert of Arizona. Right. And he's visiting, right? Yeah, yeah. Visiting from like North Carolina and he's off-roading in the desert. Somebody finds his vehicle and he's not there. And they do the search and rescue and they find him like naked, screaming out. on a mountaintop. And Sounds like a Friday night. And he'd taken a bunch of LSD, right? And so they're trying to like do the search and rescue operation right. on this guy who's butt-ass naked, should have just, just, just left him alone. All right, go ahead, he, go ahead and play it. But that's the funny thing. He'd probably have been fine if they just left him alone. <laughs> change and a warning. Some of the video in this story might be hard to watch. Of course it is hard For to watch. For the family of 23-year-old David Cutler, Good this guy. in federal court is the last mile in a five-year journey for truth and accountability. He so was on a journey for sure. So Rural Metro is a huge fire department out there in uh, Arizona. So this does not help to somebody else. In June 2017, David was visiting Tucson. His Jeep hit a tree while off-roading. He was spotted midday on a hilltop 
Is that him? Um, yeah. And I'm not sure that he has clothes on, but he's screaming for help. Pima County deputies oh, arrived. Cell phone video after oh. David was handcuffed and his feet were restrained. He's still Look at that. And, and this could have been a heat-related deal, least, right? At I least mean, do, yeah. At least he's on his back. Maybe they can Peggy were here, he'd be on his belly. <laughs> when the paramedic arrived, we're told he Remember injected Peggy, David with ketamine. Went up without any evaluation and injected David with uh, too much ketamine for his weight. In court Tuesday, the family's lawyer claimed the paramedic was grossly negligent for not treating David first for heat-related Pause. illness. Pause. Oh, 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 hold on, go back. So, 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 real quick, Lennon, I'm, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Pull that, pull that, pull that dude up. Move where move you can the see where to, you can see his yeah. body. Okay, you got two seconds. How much do you think that guy weighs? Hundred sixty. Hundred and sixty. That's not bad. That's not. He's bad. probably a little less than yeah. that. Yeah, I'd put him at like 65, 75 kilos. But we got, we're going to hold this conversation until mm. we get to Eli. But 160 right. pounds, that's, that's pretty good. Um, all right, jump ahead. And so what ended up happening because they had, they had a lawsuit going. It, it sounds like they hit him with 500 milligrams of IM ketamine. In case the sedative depressed his breathing. So, so he died a horrible death. He suffered. And I just wish someone. Yeah. Was there I don't know. I don't know that he suffered. The cutlers say David's case is similar to Elijah McClain's case. He died in a Denver suburb in 2009. And we're going to talk about Elijah here in just a minute. Oh, so this one couldn't have been 2007. Oh, well, no, it did. It, it's just the lawsuit has gone on. Right. Pause that. Look at that. So one of the things, uh, the stuff that we carry doesn't. That's 500 milligrams in 10 mLs, mm -hmm. which which we'll talk about the dosing, but the. Uh, and I was going to save it for the Elijah, but I just I, I just can't hold it. So, you, you you know, we do these uncomfortable things in EMS, these jokes. You know, mm. um, you know, we say we say words like frequent flyer, or maybe we say, um, uh, you know, code brown. I don't know. We we say we have the, our like our sayings, right? Well, one of the things that I've heard a lot of flight crews say over the years, and 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 I'm not going to say that I've never said it. Um, but that everybody weighs 220 pounds. So funny you say and so, that. And so when, when, well, if you're not a flight medic or a critical care paramedic, why, why, I mean, which you would pick up on immediately why I'm saying that. Um, but for everybody who, who doesn't know why I'm saying that, you're at 220 pounds. And one of the, one of the lowest, the, the most incompetent things that paramedics struggle with, or one of the things that they struggle with the most that they are very incompetent in, um, across the world really is drug mm -hmm. calculation. And yeah. so when we look at a, a medicine, a, a vial right there, and it has, and you say that because a lot of the medications are a weight based calculation right. and they have right. to come up with it very rapidly. Right. And so the average, the average, uh, a lay person might think <laughs> that it's like given a Tylenol, like take one, take two. It, or, or something like that, and it's not. You have to worry about your volume. Yeah, you have to worry I mean, about there's the mass. Really, there's there's really like three or four questions that you have to answer yourself. A, how much of this do I? How much is appropriate? What is my dose? You have to do a calculation for that, right? And then you have to say, okay, mass wise, mass. What is the mass? I need to give a milligrams, milligrams, micrograms, grams. Then you have to do another problem to figure out well how much volume is right. that to give. And then you have to do another problem to say, how long do I give this over? Right, right. So there's really and like so, two or three. Right. 
And yeah. so when it's weight based, which like you give something like morphine, it's not. They say give two milligrams, give four milligrams, give ten milligrams, whatever. It's it's not based on on, on the weight. When you look at something like uh, ketamine or succinylcholine or etomidate, any some of the more invasive drugs that we give, this is weight based, meaning we're going to give a certain amount of mass for every certain amount of mass that the patient weighs. Sure. And so in this case, it's milligrams per kilogram. So if the guy weighs 50 kilograms, we're going to give him, and, and in this case, it's probably then, five milligrams per kilogram. And right? then for a fourth question, right? in How America, much? we don't typically use kilograms. Right. So- Lennon here said he thought that guy was 160 pounds. How many kilos does he weigh? Well, Lennon? how many kilograms is that? <laughs> so that's you, you, another you, one, right? You don't, you don't know. So the the um, so, so you 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 have a weight based drug, and in this case, I don't know what the dose was here, but it was probably five milligrams per kilogram if they're giving it IM. And so in five milligrams per kilogram, if the guy weighs. Uh, 50 kilograms, we're going to give 250 milligrams and they're going to have to do a drug calculation on how much volume to pull up. And then they're going to inject all of that into his muscle somewhere in his shoulder and his butt some, somewhere. Um, well, if the guy weighs, uh, 160 pounds, mm -hmm. like you just said, Lennon, um, he, that means he probably weighs like seven, 72 kilograms or something like that. Sure. Well, What's five times seventy-two? Well, it's a, it's a, it, it's obvious. It's three hundred be three hundred forty, but but right three hundred forty. But that drug that that first math problem is not as easy as five times fifty, right? And then once you get to that point, now <laughs> you have round to round it again. Now you have to do point. another calculation yeah, yeah. to get to the volume, and that number is not as easy mm -hmm. when it when it's five times something. Sure. And so when we say somebody's 220 pounds, Lennon, what do you think 220 divided by 2.2 is? Because that's the that's the calculation from kilograms to, to pounds. What do you think that is? 120 something. Well, it'd just be 100. Yeah. 220 divided by 2.2 is 100. Sure. Well, damn, anything times 100 is pretty easy mm -hmm. to do in my head. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, you know, back in the day, and I'm not saying that everybody did this, but it was pretty common. Uh, you know, how much does that guy weigh? He's 220 pounds. Well, man, I bet you if you did a research study, there'd be a lot of people that come yeah. up in your paperwork that says, well, that dude's 220 pounds. How, right. how, how convenient is that? And that's really not that big an issue if the guy weighs somewhere between 200 and 235 yeah. pounds or something like that. But it, when you look at that picture, yeah. how much did you say he weighed, buddy? <laughs> 160 pounds which is 40 pounds less than which, which yeah and so that that in itself right there forget about the drug calculation itself the inability to correctly um estimate uh, accurate accurately yeah. estimate the mass of a patient in kilograms in the united states that right there just isolate that is part of the problem. Yeah, and not that it's exponential, but they estimate the weight wrong, and then when they get the dose, they round the dose to make it easier to draw. If it comes to 7.2 mLs, nah, I'm, just gonna, I'm just going to give them I'll just give them eight. I'll just give them 10. Exactly. Whatever. Right? Like, oh, it's just, but then they know. put down the right dose in their report. Well, and that's the funny thing. I don't know if it's necessarily this one, but one of my is kind of looking over, they estimated the the weight at 100 kilos. Right. I mean, they well, put that in there. They, they do that for Elijah. And so I thought that that was probably something similar it's with pretty this similar, kid right. since he's a skinny 
Kid, and and let's be and, le- and if we're talking about like <clears throat> you know root cause analysis, I am. This is kilos. this is one of the lesser frequent medications to administer, which right. probably created a little bit of unfamiliarity, but in a time sensitive quote unquote scene. So how how's they, this one end, they, Lennon? Go to uh, go to the end. Made made a big mistake. Yeah, right about there. Yeah, so he was hyperthermic. Overheating with LSD contributing. Oh, Metro's man. lawyers adding, this was an incredibly difficult call, and the paramedic went up But I still think it was anoxic brain injury. Cutler, but we're confronted by a perfect storm. In Tucson, I'm investigating... And I don't know, is there, a, is there an up, incidence of malignant hyperthermia with ketamine? Is that... I don't think that's a big risk factor, but not, I know that, that I, like... Not that I know. I know that some Maybe it anesthetics, and, and it's typically like inhaled anesthetics... Um, you know, they, they can okay. kind of cause malignant hyperthermias, but, but I think yeah. that his hyperthermia was probably related to him wandering around the desert, you know? Right. Um, so like I did, I had not heard of that story, but I think he died from an anoxic injury. Right. And so, and more on that in a second. And so then, then we have this one. And so this is Elijah McLean, um, a young kid. He's he's uh, he goes out to the convenience store late at night and he's wearing a ski mask and some kind of uh, it just it just looks like a, a general a general you ski know, mask. You know what's terrible about this whole thing too? This is August two thousand nine. In January two thousand nineteen. Two thousand nineteen. In January twenty twenty, everybody was wearing ski masks and yeah. bandanas oh, yeah. and well, March and March, whatever, April, yeah, whatever. A couple months, but yeah. I mean, just a couple months later, it was completely normal for people to be wearing shit over their face everywhere. So, they <laughs> so we'll look at the video. But the, the somebody calls says, "Hey, there's somebody suspicious walking suspicious walking around in a ski mask." Cops get out, see this kid, um, and you know, kind of all hell breaks loose. The kid starts flipping out, um, and the cops think that they have a criminal. Paramedics get there; they think they've got. Well, they put him in a carotid hold. Right. So, like, the police are trying these physical restraint techniques, and he's saying, I, I want to go home. Right. And it ends up being that the kid's got a ski mask on because he suffers from anemia, uh, and which is not uncommon with the African-American Colorado. community. It, 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 and to, to, there's a higher risk factor for that. He's anemic. He's cold. He doesn't have as good a peripheral perfusion as everybody else, so he's got a ski mask on. Um, is, is it something that we see all the time, that law enforcement sees all the time? Probably not. But as we l- will look at the video here in a second, but um, again, the same issue, uh, they put him in a carotid hold, but then they call uh, local EMS. Lennon, go, go up to the um, that body cam uh, footage up there and then ma- make that a little bit bigger. So there's somebody calls 911, says, hey, we've got a, there's someone walking around. They've got a ski mask. They look suspicious. Go, go ahead and play it. And so this is the cops getting there and they, and they see this kid, Elijah, walking down the Stop. street. Stop. And he's, he's got some groceries with him. Stop. I have a right to stop you because you're being suspicious. Well, okay. Turn around. No, Turn around. Actually, Turn around. Stop. Stop, stop tensing up. So super aggressive from the up, get-go. Bro. Stop tensing up. Hey, go go up. Me. Stop Get tensing up. Stop tensing up. Let go of me. No, I am an introvert. Please respect the boundaries that I am speaking. Stop tensing up. Stop. Relax. I'm going home. Relax. Was he autistic too? So this obviously goes goes downhill um, really really quickly. Len- Lennon, while we talk, try to f- try to find where um, uh, 
you, you can fast forward and try to find where, where, where EMS shows up. But th- this gets escalated. I'm not a cop. I don't know what they're going through, but nonetheless, th- this gets escalated and, um, e- EMS is called. They get there and what do you think they see? Well, I think that anytime, I don't know about anytime, but places that have a protocol for quote unquote excited delirium, if there is a patient or a person in custody that the police are requesting your assistance on, you can play it. Then the EMS already has this like cognitive anchoring, right? Or they have this like this predisposition that they say they know that they're going to hit this guy with ketamine. Before they even get on scene, so they're holding them down. Fires there, and obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, that's all. You know, they're they're a part of the EMS. And, system. and I think there's a there's there's a, an increase in incidence of, and I think even some like court rulings and laws that are being enacted right now that are saying that police do not have the right to encourage EMS oh, yeah. to give these sedative medications. And his arm was above his head and he was still fighting. Is there anybody that can relieve me for a second? Yeah. Spitz! Oh, we need somebody just to... Can I just get home for a sec so I can get up? I'm like cramping up. Fucking... He's got a cramp. He's got a cramp of sitting on the kid? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so right now he's been restrained for 20 minutes. Uh, fire's there, PD's there, and then obviously the transport medic shows up. Go, go, go ahead and play that, buddy. Let's go li- listen to what they say. Put pressure until he moves. All right. We got 500 ketamine. Yep. So the, he says they just gave him 500 ketamine, obviously Probably. meaning 500 milligrams. It's a pretty big dose. All right. Just drive it right behind his ear if he fights. Oh, there he goes. Or oh, they had it drawn up, so now they've just given that in his shoulder, probably. What did they say? Right behind his ear. I think it was just the we'll way they were holding. Or two, see if that works. And once so, it is, we'll so, so, so let's go back another twenty seconds. Go back another twenty seconds. So what did so he before say? they give it to him? So here's the thing that, that's standing out to me. Go ahead and play. Right. Does that kid look like he's fighting? He's not even fighting. But nonetheless, they just gave him five hundred milligrams of ketamine. I am. Why do you think they gave him 500? Do you think they honestly thought he was 100? Or do you think there's a protocol that says 500 milligrams IM? No, their protocol, I'm 90% sure, was 5 milligrams per kilogram. Per and that was part of the problem was they thought, well, maybe that was too high of a dose in the first place. Do you think the the inaccuracy of their estimation is because he had a jacket on or anything? I mean, do you think they were totally negligent and they just said 100 or let's give him 500 milligrams? Or do you think that they improperly assessed him because he had a jacket on. I, I, I think that, that all paramedics, myself included, mm-hmm. that if we're not comfortable with something, you um, revert to, we, we, we were, we, we, we've heard the, we, we rise to the occasion, yeah. and, and, but that's not really true. Math we, for a hundred kilograms is easier than math right. for 80. We, we revert when we're under stress, mm-hmm. we revert to our lowest level of training mm-hmm. and we're going to do what's easiest, what's simplest, what mm-hmm. we've been used to doing. Um, and I'm not necessarily, I don't know that that's what happened. So here. at best they gave him an additional hundred milligrams or more. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. And so, but the problem is 
as I'm sure you're aware because you've alluded to it several times, is the lack of airway management that comes after this. Yeah, and I'm interested be- to see what he's saying here because he it sounds like he's yeah, giving he good be. instruction. Sure he, okay. yeah, he said, we're going to give this a couple minutes and we're going to take his handcuffs off and we're going to put him on. But does he right. say, I want you to watch, to count his respirations continuously until yep. we get him okay. on the monitor? Let's go ahead and get him on his side and we'll just uncuff him. Um, let's get him on the gurney first. Okay. So go ahead and pause it. So I want I want to make I want to make one 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 thing clear, just just so any, any, anybody listening who who isn't a paramedic, I don't think that you can truly overdose somebody on heroin, on oxy's, or on ketamine. We don't die from that. We die from not breathing. I'm glad right? you. I'm glad that you, you said know. that because it's also the position of the American. College of Emergency Physicians. It's right. also in all these studies that came. The toxic levels of ketamine don't have anything to do with like kidney or liver failure or hem- massive internal hemorrhage or anything. And the, I guess I should the, say it's not the, possible. The, the, the toxic levels are <laughs> defined by a, a, a double blind placebo study with animals and they say we gave this dose and we gave this dose to all these rats, and this percentage of them died, and this was the dose right. that was associated with it. But it's all due to anoxia and respiratory depression. Right. When, when you go when you go into surgery, it's not like a Tylenol they give you, they give you, they, they, you know. they give you an anesthetic with gas, and the only reason they give mm-hmm. the gas instead of ketamine is because the gas is easily more easily controlled, mm-hmm. right? Um, but if they gave you the gas and then walked out the door, you be dead but not because they gave you the gas but because they didn't they didn't manage your airway. and that would so be, try to ex- explain that yeah. for for people who don't understand what that means what what, what is you you, you you these people you would agree mm. that kid did not die from too much ketamine the first correct. kid correct who's zombie in it out in the um mm-hmm. uh, uh the, the, a, the he's desert walkabout he's, he's on a walkabout um he did not die from, from too, too much, much ketamine. ketamine. Mm-hmm. What did they die from? They died from anoxic brain injuries. Both of these so far died from a lack of oxygen to the brain. And why did they get a lack of oxygen? Because when you administer a sedative, it sedates all parts of your body. Your consciousness and your respiratory drive and all the things that have these automatic functions within your body. So a side effect of sed- sedatives is respiratory depression, meaning you will not breathe as fast as so you should. So you'd normally be breathing 18 times a minute. And I give you a You give me 500 sedative. milligrams of ketamine, how many times am I going to be breathing? Four. Four. You know, and I couldn't survive on four. Exactly. And that is called a side effect. That is not right. an adverse reaction. That is an anticipated reaction. We anticipate when I give somebody 20 milligrams of Atomidate, they're probably not going to breathe as much as they should. When I give somebody 10 milligrams of morphine, it's highly likely that they're not going to breathe as fast as they should. These are not adverse reactions. This is not an unexpected reaction from ketamine. Right. And so I'm saying that the failure is not even necessarily the dose. Yes, they overdosed this patient. They gave him more than the prescribed amount of what probably was a necessary dose to calm him down. But it shouldn't matter. So what should they be doing? If they are proactive and protecting his airway, 
i.e. keeping anything but air. What do we teach our EMTs to do with that kid's airway? Not a paramedic, not a nurse. No. What do we teach an EMT to do with that guy's airway? What do they do? Basic airway maneuvers to open it. Which would be called what? What do we call it? Head tilt, chin lift. So just tilting his head back. Mm -hmm. Opening could, his airway. Could have been the difference. Manual manipulation. And if they're not breathing fast enough, we have tools to do that. And it doesn't have to be an endotracheal tube, right? right? We can use a bag valve mask and support their ventilations. So the two things they need to make sure that happens is the only thing that goes in and out of his trachea is air. And they need to make sure enough of it is going in and out. Right. And an EMT basic can do that. Right. right. And so when, when we're, at least with these two cases, the country's done gone flipped out mm. and people are wanting to pull it from protocols. And I see all well, this. Everybody's saying ketamine overdose. Right. The media is all saying right. ketamine but overdose. But I've heard a lot of paramedics and, and other people saying similar things and they're posting pictures about uh, different dosing regimens. Well, why should, why, why does it, why doesn't it come supplied better? You know, like, That's a good like, point. like morphine, it only comes with 10 milligrams. But, it does come dose but, different. But what difference does it make? They didn't well, I mean, die. I, no, from that, that. You, okay. I see your point on that. Right. Yeah. So it, yeah. It, if you were in charge of. <laughs> because the, if it comes dosed in 10 milligram vials, he was going to give him 50 the, fucking vials. Right. Of it, you know, so, so, right. And so if, if you're the clinical educator uh, of, of an agency, and you're, are, are you, with ketamine, are you more worried that they're going to get the dose right or more worried that they're going to be competent at managing a patient's airway? Yeah. Isn't I mean, that what paramedics are supposed to be experts at? It's, it's not just ketamine that you have it, to manage an airway, Is it right? DBCs? It's, it's ABCs. Yeah. What's the A stand for? <laughs> it, it, it stands for airway. And we, and we teach our lay people. We teach, my son took a CPR class. It's air, it's airway, breathing, circulation. Yeah. These, these, uh, these paramedics, Get out there and, and, and these guys aren't the only one. No. Who, who, they're not the only ones. They get out there and they, for, because they're paramedics, they forget about the basic maneuvers. They forget mm. about BLS. Mm -hmm. They, 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 they give the advanced life support stuff and they forget, well, I've got to manage his airway. That's the first thing that we mm -hmm. have to be worried about. And we manage it simply by twisting his head, mm -hmm. putting even an oxygen mask. Would a passive oxygen mask at four times a minute is better is better is better than nothing. So after, when this one happened, this was what really because this was just before George Floyd. Yeah, uh, it's just it doesn't help that he's having a mask, yeah, and there's race yeah. relations, and there was yeah. other things that were going on uh, that were that just struck a nerve with this one, and everybody yeah. starts flipping out. And so what's it, what's this next one up there? Um, go to, go to that next one, Lennon, where the, where the yellow is. And so we have, what do we have here? This one took place, uh, later on. Go ahead and scroll, a, scroll down. So I think this Which is. Which one of them people in that picture I, I died? I think it's the guy and it's at a county jail. Mm. <clears throat> and as a matter of fact, I think that they're getting ready to release him. Look at that like rat, look was, at that rat dog. Yeah. I bet he's got a rat tail on the back of his head, a little tiny pony tail. And know what they call those? Rat I had a rat tail. I bet you did. I bet you, I know. Yeah. Um, Damn. So scroll up just a little bit so you just see the date while while, while he's talking uh, to to the paragraph there, Leonard. So where's Duval County? I don't even know. So this is in Florida. Oh yeah, right. This is like Jacksonville. This is like Jacksonville County, I think. Of course, it was in Florida. So so this guy is at the jail, and I believe he was getting ready to be released. 
And he ended up getting into a fight with some of the correctional officers at this county jail. And I don't know what he was there for or how long he'd been there, whatever. But he, um, they're fighting with him. They call local EMS to come in and they essentially do the exact same thing on these, these first two cases. They come in and they hit him with a big old dose of IM ketamine. And I, I believe they hit him with 500 milligrams. I mean, look, I mean, look, look at the, um, so when we, we, we look at what the headline reads, uh, the guy dies in a confrontation with officers at the jail, um, after they gave him ketamine. But I, I do like look that they at that say, paragraph. I know I'm getting there, <laughs> that, but they do say that they gave it to him without fully monitoring his reaction, which that's good. I don't understand this next part. Unlike many departments in Florida, many EMS on the, on the coast don't require extensive safeguards after the use of ketamine. I don't really know what that I don't means. Know what they mean by that. Um, but either way, this is medical professionals and other EMS departments advise robust monitoring of patients for complications like clogged airways. Clogged airways. <laughs> and, and I know that's a, that's a layman's uh, it's way of saying it. It's not clogged with puke or blood yeah, it's clogged or with your teeth tongue. or whatever. It's clogged with your tongue. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, Taylor Completely was still conscious. relaxed standards. That's what that says. Yeah. And so he's unresponsive after a jailhouse uh, fight. Um, and was was conscious and, uh, and aware when paramedics arrived and first became unresponsive after giving the maximum dosage. The maximum dosage. That's everything in the vial, buddy. Yeah. Don't stick your hand in front of the camera. Oh, God, you're so... I was telling Lennon to Wait, scroll down. Me... I was giving him hand signals. <laughs> Did I do that? Yeah. I was on that camera. Within, yeah. But either way, within five minutes of receiving the dosage, he was no longer breathing. I'm just glad they didn't say he had a heart attack. He he subsequently uh, coded. And so go go to the next one. And this is the one that um, I had heard about recently. Um, What is that stuff? This is the the most terrible one of all. I mean, there's probably been a dozen or more, but of the few that I'd kind of looked up, this one is the worst. Yeah. This one's that. Like, it makes me sick to my stomach that this happened. All right, so... A 19-year-old who died yeah, this in 2021 terrible. are now suing first responders and medical organizations in Murray, saying after their daughter, Gwen Donner, was hit in a head-on collision, oh, no. she was given an improper amount of a drug called ketamine they say would ultimately kill her. Oh, my God. Fox 13 News reporter Lucy Nelson sat down with Gwen's mother today to hear why they are filing the lawsuit. Let's see what they say. It's been excruciating. I mean, losing a child is the worst possible thing you can go through. It Heather doesn't Myers matter that it was 16 times the maximum dose. Her 19-year-old dose. daughter, Gwen Donor. She just... Yeah. No, she you're right. She'd have been fine. She loved life. She wanted to help people. If they'd have... They prepared for the side effects. Traveling eastbound on I-215, but contrary oh. to what her mother was told, medical records would show she did not die from the injury sustained in that head-on collision. When we first arrived at the hospital, it's terrible. Um, she was there. She had broken bones. Yeah, it was like a broken leg and, and an arm. arm. Um, but we were told. Yeah, she was they, they didn't give this fine. for sedation. They um, gave it for analgesia. By that evening, things took a drastic. They didn't give point one milligrams per kilogram. Up, they gave never would. Leaving one Heather or more in a state of grief and confusion. It's just the doctors never could clearly articulate the link between those injuries, and then after hours and hours, I think of they gave this little girl 500 milligrams. She's going to be fine. Then telling us the exact. Opposite. Okay, so I That's did watch this, and I was really, con- I was, for I was really confused because I was like, well, what do you mean she was in the hospital, and they keep saying that she's going to be fine? 
I, I think what ended up happening was, is they thought that like she was just, she was just sedated, but she had already suffered an anoxic, the, the anoxic brain injury. Yeah, I think you're right. And so they're, they're like, oh yeah, she's going to wake up as soon as, as soon as the cat, as soon as the pain gonna meds wear, wear off, off. it's going to wear she's off. She's going to start coming around. It's no big deal. Yeah. I mean, it, because the half life yeah. of the ketamine is, is relatively short. So say they give her a 500 milligram dose and it takes them 40 minutes to drive to the hospital Scroll and they down. drive to the hospital with her breathing four times a minute. Well, then the ketamine starts to wear off and now she's breathing 10 or 12 times a minute. And then they present her to the ER and the ER is like, oh, she's, you know, she's keep, still, keep going. she's kind of waking up from this sedative, just give her a little bit of time. And then after like two more hours, she still didn't wake up and they're like, yeah, we need to scan her head. Maybe and we, then they, they scan, scan her, her head, head and, and then, she's just got a bunch of, you know, gray white bluff in there. Oh she's my got God. this big anoxic injury. And, and they're like, well, how did this happen? She hadn't been hit in the head. Right. And then they find out that some medics gave her. So they give her 16 uh, times the dose. So they give her like an induction dose because they're trying right. to give her a pain management dose. Right. They give her an induction dose. And that decimal point move. That, that yeah. is probably was a decimal point yeah. thing. Uh, but nonetheless, that means that you got this girl sitting there on your ambulance. She's on the stretcher. She's got a broke, couple broken bones. Yep. Head on Probably, collision, probably a no, priority no. one trauma. Mm, sure. Right? Sure. They're going lights and sirens to the hospital. You've given this ketamine. I want to know what the reassessment documentation is. Yeah. What did you documented her GCS when you got to her as something? I want to know what, what the reassessment documentation looks like. And I want them to pull I want to see the that whole damn cell phone up and see how many times they refreshed their Instagram or TikTok <laughs> on their drive yeah. to the or, or just they to sat see- in the captain's chair and we're like Right. Right. Or or what, what or what's the whole print or what's the whole printout on the monitor? Yeah. Did did they get up and fiddle with the pulse ox a bunch of times and you know <laughs> it kept alarming man, it so keep, they it, it, off. it says seventy two. Yeah. You know, she's it's not seventy two. She's not having any breathing problems, you know. Yeah. I don't but know, same man. same thing. And so then there's there's this fifth one. Which I don't, I don't know anything about. What's this one up there? The Mom of five died after. Fifth one's this, this drunk lady at a, um, truck stop. And I don't know if she's, I don't know if she worked there or, or, or what, but nothing good happens at a truck stop. <laughs> but there's Is there some a video, video there's some video of it and she's, um, you know, she's pretty hysterical. Leave, it, leave it right there. Let's read she's, it. She's definitely emotionally upset. So this happened four years ago. And their powerful sedative ketamine filed a wrongful death against the ambulance company. Jerica LaCour, 29, a black woman. Why is, what is, I don't understand how that plays a role in this case, who had been drinking alcohol and walking around in a parking lot in Colorado Springs. Again, it's Friday night, man. I, I, I can tell you there have been a handful of times I have stumbled around aimlessly in a parking lot on a Friday a night. A truck stop, though? Ah. Uh, I could picture you walking around. So she's lying on the ground, crying uncontrollably when police, fire, and uh, EMS show up. Uh, And Okay, so there's the dose down there at the bottom. Scroll scroll down. Her family alleges in a lawsuit that Jason Polson, a paramedic for AMR, administered 400 milligrams of ketamine. Um, So either their dose was... Four milligrams per kilogram, and they called her a hundred kilograms, or they called her forty kilograms. 
<laughs> one way or the other, dude. But hey, either way, so four four hundred milligrams of ketamine. But it says despite a firefighter on scene who oh. objected to the dose. Oh my god! What, what did he object to? Just giving it all together? I, you know, I don't know. But well, I'd like to talk. And about I don't that, know dude. which one of these. If you're that firefighter, send us an email. There, there, be there's, there's one of these that apparently there's like narrated conversation that somebody draws up a dose and he says. I gave her five hil- 500 milligrams and she gave the whole fucking thing and she wasn't supposed to. Like there's, oh, I don't know if it's well, this case or if it's one of the others, but one of them's like, I gave her 500 milligrams and she wasn't supposed to give it all. And then they didn't even document that they gave the ketamine at all. Until it was that this one? Fact. I think it was this one. Well, let's take a look. Okay. So, so this is the video. So there's the girl. There's the, there's the truck stop back there. I'd be crying too. Go ahead and play it, Lenny. <laughs> Oh, yeah, she's crying. What's going on, ma'am? January it sounds like a CNBC documentary with that background music. To a truck lot for a trespassing report. Are you Jerrica? Yeah, he's got a very dramatic voice. Jerrica LaCour? Jerrica LaCour from Colorado Springs. She's very, she's emotionally upset. She's yeah. very, she's in distress. Reports obtained by 13 investigates. Jerrica was curled up in the fetal position, crying hysterically. I've been there. When deputies arrived. In an in effort to stop? calm her down. Paramedic injected Jerrica with ketamine. Once again, yeah. look at the packaging. Guess who gets ketamine? you hear that? Oh my Minutes god. After the paramedic said that. Jerrica LaCour. Go back a couple dead. seconds. Play that again. Go back a couple more seconds. Minutes after. Guess who gets ketamine? Yeah, seriously. Minutes after the paramedic said that, Jerrica LaCour would be dead. Her autopsy says she died of respiratory arrest from alcohol and ketamine intoxication. There you go. Every day, all day. That's a know, that's I a correct. No, absolutely. Died and, of and respiratory arrest. No, didn't die of ketamine and, and, overdose. And and, I, and, I, and so whenever I talked earlier about like the side effects and stuff of the ketamine, right? One of the things that in our protocol pre-ketamine for excited delirium was intranasal versed. But there was a big. Uh, our medical director made a big point to say. In the presence of other, you know, central nervous system sedatives like alcohol or certain drugs or whatever, you got to be very, very careful because they'll potentiate the action. So somebody who is already drunk on alcohol, do they need the total dose, the, the normal dose of ketamine for this? Or do you give a partial dose? Or do you give the dose as prescribed and then just have a, a heightened awareness or index of suspicion to say, they probably ain't going to breathe very good after this. Go, go ahead and play that, Lena. Yeah. I can't bring myself to do watch that. They put was a spit it, sock over her face that. there, too. I don't know if you've seen that. Okay. So I don't know if she was spitting on him or not. Oh, Thirteen investigates obtained an incident report written by a Cimarron Hills firefighter who says she urged the paramedic Jason Paulson not to administer ketamine. She said LaCour was already tied down and calming down. He did it anyway. And that pa- caused the death of Jerry. Go back a couple seconds while you do that. One one thing I want to point out, and it's just from some of the investigative stuff that I've done over the years. Mm-hmm. They got the fire report, and they can get the fire report a lot easier in certain cities. It's a city. Well, well, it's because they're municipality. Not, they're they're not right. They're not private, so may, they might be a little bit more prone to giving it. But they also were not billing for it, probably. Mm-hmm. That ambulance is billing for it. Mm. And so HIPAA comes into play maybe a little bit more. Um, but the fire department gave it over and that type of transparency is important. 
Oh, and it doesn't, it doesn't happen enough. And so you, if you didn't get that report, Mm -hmm. you'd have to rely on that firefighter coming out and, and saying, guess what happened? Yeah. Or I need, I need to say something. Go ahead and play that. Urge the paramedic Jason Paulson not to administer ketamine. She said LaCour was already tied down and calming down. He did it anyway. And that caused the death of But Jericho look at LaCour. look at her too. That that, that last picture her, she, her hands aren't restrained. She's just emotionally Dan upset. Dan K is an right. attorney representing Jerica's children. The LaCour yeah. family filed a lawsuit claiming negligence leading to wrongful death by the American Medical Response or AMR. And the paramedic yep, on They win. Jason Family Paulson. deserves That's all that. According to the firefighters report, okay. the paramedic justified the use of ketamine because LaCour was displaying symptoms of excited delirium. Right, there you go. Descriptors for excited delirium syndrome include Saying excited delirium. Yeah, they're, they're pawning it off on excited delirium. Compliance. That's not actually excited delirium. Department of Health and Environment. Right. I, State health officials for anybody who's never seen somebody in excited delirium, they don't make any sense. They don't, they don't say, they don't string sentences right. together and answer questions appropriately and stuff. Look, she, I'll put a thing up here. Look at this video. Yeah. It, of, it, of what was, what was the guy in North Carolina, um, on the porch? Was it Ty, not Tyree? It was, uh, the, the, the one or, or Kentucky or Tennessee. The one with the dude with the, no, it with, was North Carolina the with mullet, the mullet, the mullet paramedic who, hero who shows did a up. Great, who and, did a great job, but it was too yeah. late. Um, yeah, that's excited delirium for sure. That guy was excited delirium. But you can't and, just pawn off anybody who's combative and say, "Oh, it's excited delirium," because now you got resulting people. in an unknown also dose. Found that Polson initially failed to note on the patient care report that he administered ketamine at all. As a hey. result of the state investigation, Polson's paramedic certification is currently on probation. Probation until December of 2023. Spoiler alert: He gave 500. Investigates. They made no findings regarding whether the use of ketamine was justified or not. And I think he had an IV in. This is not an isolated incident. In 2019, Elijah McLean, a 23-year-old black man, was killed after paramedics and police allegedly held him down and injected him with You know, one thing I'll say is they're suing for negligence. So what do you have to have to have negligence? You have to have a duty to act. I'm just making sure people understand. You have to have a duty to act. You have four things, right? Four or five. And so... He has a duty. This paramedic has a duty to act. He's right. there, and you, you're having a medical emergency. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe not. But he, if he thinks that she's having a medical emergency, then he has a duty. Which I to, think there's uh, causation to say that okay. she's having a medical emergency. And the second is that you breached that duty. Mm-hmm. The third is that you got to have damages. Oh, and the fourth, it, <laughs> she's dead. That's damaged. That's that's probably. And the fourth one. Is you gotta have proximate cause. You gotta have. You yeah. gotta be able to prove that those damages were caused by that breach of duty. I don't think that'll be. And a so, what do you think prove. that this guy's breach of duty was? Yeah. Was it giving too much ketamine? Yeah. Or failure to manage the airway? Either way, he's guilty. If you're testifying on the other side of him yeah. as an expert witness against him, and they ask you, "Well, he had a, a a duty. What was his duty?" Yeah. Well, his duty may have been to give the ketamine. It was his choice, and he he did the assessment. You also have to accept the responsibility to safely manage right. the patient. Afterwards. But with that that choice comes the duty to manage his airway, and they'd say, "Do you believe that he managed his airway?" No. Do you mm-hmm. think that not managing his airway led to respiratory depression, mm-hmm. which then ultimately led to cardiac arrest and the patient dying? Yes. Are those two things linked? Yes. It's negligence all day long, and and. 
it, and the reason why I'm, I'm all wound up about this is because <laughs> I keep you are, seeing, you're fired up. I keep seeing so many social media posts yeah. about the dosing. Yeah, yeah. And it's not the dosing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it simply isn't. It, whether or not you gave that kid Elijah yeah. 500 mm-hmm. or 300, you're mm-hmm. still snowing him. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if and the dose, it, and, the, and, 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 and to be specific, they call that the K hole. We're going to put him into the K hole. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah. The K hole means that's whenever they start to have this nystagmus and you can tell that they're disassociating, they're kind of hallucinating. That's called the K hole. And the goal of like in analgesia is not to get, into this disassociative dose, aka mm. the K hole, it's a sub disassociative dose. And even right. whenever you do get into the disassociative dose, you know that there's this reactive period, right, where they're coming out of uh, induction or sedation or whatever, where they're 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 go- they're coming from the K hole back to the real hole, right. <laughs> and you have to right. like make things calm for them. Because they're, they're spacing out and like the kids, whenever they're after you, you know, sewed them up or whatever and they're waking up and they're like, <laughs> right. And you know, they're seeing dragons and all kinds of shit, you I know? See, so I see dragons all the time. But anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish this up with, with, with one thing. And so I'm going to plug my own research here. Every, all my research that I've done over the years has been on situational awareness. Three parts to situational awareness. Let's rip it. In, 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 yeah, rip it. In order, in order to be situationally aware, we say this all the time. We talk about pilots and military people and, and, uh, special ops, space flight, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But to be situationally aware doesn't mean that you just know what's going on. That's what a lot of people think. Yeah. You have to be able to recognize something first. Right. Does this guy, do they recognize um, what respiratory depression might look like? Or do they recognize that the patient is in this instance? I think that they, I think that they do recognize what's going on. Mm-hmm. The second part is being able to interpret it. Do, are they able to properly interpret, it, interpret what happens when they give this drug um, or... Uh, um, you know, what respiratory depression, what, what does that actually mean? Right, Are they right. able to properly interpret it? I think all of them would. But the third one is the most difficult one, and you can't just teach it to somebody, and it's yeah. prediction. Yeah. And that means that when you sit there and ask them, well, when you give this, what do you predict this scene, this patient, mm-hmm. this situation is going to look like yeah. 10 minutes from now? Right. And if And none of them would have gotten that right. They would have said, oh, well, we were on our way to the hospital, as opposed to, would you predict that this patient, if nothing changes, yeah, I mean, is going to be dead in seven minutes if things keep going that, this that's way? That's such an interesting point that you make, because any of those medics, you could say, if this person is breathing five times a minute, what's going to happen? And right. they're going to say, well, that's, that's not enough. They're going to have a brain injury they're gonna have a cardiac arrest or they're whatever like they know what it's not is a, the it's not worst a cognitive deficit. vital sign yeah what what vital sign are paramedics notoriously terrible at being accurate at a vital sign oh the glasgow coma scale well that well that too the the, the, the math <laughs> but, of it the, but when they put in blood pressure pulse respirations yeah. what, which one of those things do you think they are they typically screw up and get wrong Respirations. Respirations. Everybody's 18 or 20 or 22. When was the last time people actually sit down and... Root cause analysis. Why? Routine. It it takes time. All the others have instant results. A respiratory drive, unless they're hooked up to, cap, uh, you know, capnography or whatever that gives them a result, they have to sit there for 5 or 10 or 20 seconds and, and count respirations. 
And, so I, and I've been there. That. And all you paramedics that are listening right now, you know that there's been fifty percent of all guilty. We're, we're, of we're all guilty of it. But it, it, uh, if we think, if we think that we're going to step things up when we get put in that situation, we're wrong. You, we you revert, mentioned that earlier about falling. We falling revert to back to our lowest level sure. of training. And yeah. if you if you are used to doing to guessing somebody's respiratory rate just by glancing mm-hmm. at them for two seconds, you're not going to do a well, better and, job and of it under, in this situation because yeah. you're stressed. And you're under, under stress. And understanding the whole ventilation perfusion thing, just because you have a normal O2 sat now and a healthy young person doesn't mean that their respiratory drive is functioning the way it should be. I mean, those, those are two... You All have right. to understand that respirations and perfusion are, are different things. Absolutely. You know, and um, and a lot of these cardiac arrests related to respiratory depression are are hypercarbic arrests. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. hypoxic respiratory failure. Sure. It's a hypercarpia, you right. know, hypercarbia. Right. And so you, you, I would say that one of the things that they'd mentioned was the overuse of this ketamine and what we need to do moving forward because this has already happened. So I'm a guy, my mindset says what has happened What has lessons happened. can we learn? What are we going to do different to change it? And people are already coming out and saying that excited delirium is not a real thing. And I can tell you for sure it's a real thing. We're overusing it. We're becoming complacent. It's complicated, but something's there. Something is there. And so if we are going to hold the power in our hands to use things like rapid sequence innovation and, you know, uh, chemical restraint and stuff, we have to understand the side effects and we have to use these things and and we have to practice well we certainly have to practice but we have to have a complex understanding of all s aspects of this medication it's not just a blind protocol that says well i'm going to give four milligrams of zofran because they're nauseous right and it's a kind of a a low risk medication if we're going to use high risk medications we have to have this complex understanding of what potentially could go wrong and how do we manage those side effects. Absolutely. You know, we, we, we have, um, what's the difference between a paramedic and an EMT? It's their clinical decision. It's the, cri- the, the critical oh, thinking man. skills all day long. Yeah. And so uh, w- when we talk about uh, the, the medications, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll end it here, when we talk about the medications of, of drugs like succinylcholine or even, even like things like cardizem, because you can kill somebody with cardizem, or, or, or ketamine, oftentimes it's not so much about, do you know when to give this drug? It's more of when should you not give it? And I don't mean a contraindication, not it's contraindicated. It's, is this the appropriate time to give this? Yeah. Yes. Yes or no. And we don't, we don't focus on those things enough. We don't practice our drug dosages enough. We don't practice these calls enough. Once we're out there in the field, these, these mm. medics are, are so busy running 48,000 calls a day. They don't have time to go do simulation and practice, mm. you know, like an airline pilot would where yeah. they have to go and do simulation. So, uh, I, I think everything you said, I, you know, I agree, I agree a hundred percent. There needs to be more training. There needs to be more ongoing simulation and we need to stop. We, we, we need to back away from the drug calc thing. Yes, the drug calc needs to be better. People need to. But but that's that's not the biggest issue here. These people didn't die. I don't think any of these people died yeah. because of a drug dose. They died because of poor clinical decision making, yeah. a lack of critical thinking skills, routine, 
And to be honest with you, probably at a bunch of those agencies, poor oversight, poor clinical oversight by for sure somebody. So um, either way, we'll see what kind of nightmare stuff happens this week. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and we'll we'll chat again soon. Len, you ready to bounce? Why, if there's a effect, why do you also make an effect with your voice? <laughs> I don't know. You just talk normal, and it does. It makes the effect. <laughs> <laughs>